Crown Corner getting you ready for D.C. United. Charlotte FC with a victorious game on Saturday and also a victorious game on Tuesday that we have to talk about as well over South Georgia Tormenta. Will Pelagic, Jessica Charman here with you as we get you ready for uh, a revisit to our first ever contest against D.C. United. Of course, we won the return engagement last year by the same scoreline, both 3-0 in opposite directions. Let's start with uh, the 4-1 triumph over Tormenta, because that is uh, something that's happened since the last time we spoke in this format, Jess. But uh, uh, a real great win, uh, despite the fact that Charlotte FC had that win come at a cost of two very uh, important players going down injury-wise. Yeah, I mean, firstly, great that we managed to avoid the upset. Certain teams weren't able to do so. One of our cross-town rivals in Atlanta United wasn't able to avoid the cup set. So that goes to show you how open cup can throw some spanners in the work. Charlotte FC was able to get it done with a very good performance. But as you mentioned, Will, it comes with a cost. We did play a pretty strong lineup when you look at it. Not too much squad rotation. And unfortunately, that did end up leading to two players that would have been in our starting lineup on Saturday, being now questionable in Kamil Josviak and Bill Tuiloma. And that's two players particularly in Camille Josviak, who has been the best player for Charlotte FC. I'm, I'm able to put my head out there and claim that for the season. And then Bill Tuiloma, who seemed to be securing himself, just coming off of a clean sheet. Disappointing, Will, that we're going to have to make defensive changes against a team like DC United right now that is feeling very confident after winning consecutive matches. And you got a couple of very big uh, forward presences in Taxi Fontas and Christian Benteke. Benteke, who's got a lot of Premier League experience and a lot of Premier League experience on this side. And I think part of the pedigree of Wayne Rooney uh, as the manager is at least a part of that. And we'll get into DC United as it go along this podcast. But uh, I agree with you on Camille. Like it, it was becoming very refreshing to see the way that he played and, and the kind of goal that he scored against Tormenta as a goal scorer's goal. And that's the kind of goal that you score when you are in high form. A lot of times, if you are not informed, that's the kind of shot that goes awry. But the fact that he was able to put it in on the half volley uh, shows kind of the way that he's been playing. Uh, we'll start with him and then go farther back. How do you feel Christian Latanzio deploys this? You and I have not been able to see them train this week because uh, they keep things when they play multiple games in a week very much kind of uh, secured from you and us. So from that standpoint, I'm curious whether or not that means Carol Svidersky is back at the right wing, whether that means Mackenzie Gaines gets a start or, or some other uh, tactical change that takes place that will have to obviously uh, take the place of uh, him being on the field. Yeah, it's going to be really big boots to fill because Camille is in form right now on both sides of the pitch. We've talked about the stats in terms of what he's offering defensively, being the guy that has produced the second most tackles in the team. He loves a good duel. He offers defensive presence as well as everything that he's now added on the stat line in terms of goals and assists. So big shoes to fill when it comes to options. For me, I think we've seen Kaos Vodeski at the number 10 and he's doing too well in that midfield trio with Brant Bronico and Derek Jones to switch things out. I think you want to keep Camille, uh, you want to keep, sorry, Karis Vodersky in that number 10 role where he's scoring goals and looking confident. If you look at the bench and you look at the way Latanja has been playing wingers off of the bench, you would think that, as you said, Will McKenzie Gaines would be that first choice off of the bench. Now, McKenzie's quick. We know that. And I know he's a player that has 
struggled with finding the final product a little bit towards the end of the season. I thought he grew in that aspect and now he's only really had sub minutes. So we haven't been able to see him consistently. My fear about McKinsey Gaines is that you're going to lose that defensive presence and the ability on the defensive side of the ball because he doesn't have the same level of that in terms of his confidence defending as Camille Josviak does. And that obviously depends on you know how they go about employing the uh, the fullback position. Of course, we know Charlotte FC not being able to use Joseph Mora, so it'll be a potential choice between Nathan Byrne or Jalen Lindsay on that right side at the back. Of course, uh, McKenzie was featured in that opening contest. He did start 66 minutes against D.C. in the opening contest that Charlotte FC played and had a couple of shots as well, uh, both of them being on target of D.C.'s Bill Hamid in that particular contest and fixture, uh, what happens at the back might be a little more complicated because Tui Loma, according to what Christian Latazio said, he said that Camille's injury is probably more of a week-to-week one. He said in seven to ten days max, uh, didn't necessarily rule him out uh, of this week because he is questionable on the injury report, but I think we're going on the assumption that they're probably going to at least give him a week to uh, make whatever happened to him in the game against Tormenta calm down. Ted Tuiloma is out a bit longer, and if that is the case, I'm wondering if that means a revisit to the Derek Jones uh, center back experiment or whether or not they go back to Nathan Byrne, who they used, obviously, in a match earlier this year at that position after a Tuiloma injury earlier. Uh, what do you think is the better case, or do you maybe even think that it's uh, Jan Zabachinski's time to shine? It's tough questions. When we look at centre-back depth, it's not our greatest strength at the moment, unfortunately. And the fact that Tui Loma was injured earlier on the season, had to miss a game and now has a similar style of injury is really concerning of that reoccurrence. So you don't want to rush it. I think Nathan Byrne, he's had a tough, a tough season this season. But interestingly enough, I thought he played some of his best football at centre-back. Yes, during his time, I, I won't forget the error that he had when he was bodied off of the ball by the forward that led to a goal. But I thought he did pretty okay when he played in centre-back during that matchup with Derek Jones. Do you want to sacrifice him from the midfield? I think some of the Derek Jones experiment depends on Ashley Westwood and whether he's returning. Because if you're bringing Ashley Westwood in, that does free up a position in the midfield if you're switching Derek Jones back into centre-back. So I think it's going to be an accumulation of a lot of things. But the one thing as a defensive-minded player back in my day too that concerns me is switching up the back line again. You're going to have to switch up centre-back. You're going to have to switch up full-back in terms of Joseph Moore not being available more changes to a back line that looked like it was finally gelling and got us the clean sheet. That is worrisome for me. Certainly so. And uh, you mentioned the back line possibly having changes. Uh, We have a goalkeeper controversy, uh, whether we like it or not. Uh, Christian Kalina uh, played 90 minutes against Tormenta, did uh, concede a goal, and it was a goal that I think admittedly even you, Jess, would think that I think an informed Kalina potentially makes that save or at least makes a better play on the ball to try and make that save happen uh, with the goal unfortunately being conceded. Uh, George Marks coming off of a clean sheet on Saturday, first of his career, first of the season for any goalkeeper for Charlotte FC in the 1-0 victory last weekend against Columbus. Uh, how do you feel that maybe alters the plans for the crown? Because if it's me, I play marks until uh, until otherwise because I don't, I don't think you take a guy out off a clean sheet, but we know that Christian Latanzio has said repeatedly that they missed the leadership of Kalina between the sticks. They missed the leadership, but I think the way George Marks is playing right now doesn't deserve to be dropped. And I don't think you sacrifice the sharpness 
of George Marx to put in a, a leader in the back. And I also think Marx is growing in his leadership. I thought that was the most he's held his defensive line uh, accountable in the victory against Columbus crew. When you look at Kalina's performance, he was remarkable in those first five minutes when Tormenta were really banging on the door and he kept his side in it. But the lack of focus in that goal, maybe cheating with his positioning a little bit, not having the speed to recover to his near post is what concerns me. And what did we talk about being George Marks's biggest strength at the moment? His sharpness, his speed, his agility. So I think Kalina needs a little bit more time. I wouldn't want to set up Cali for failure coming back after a long injury to his back, which requires, you know, as a goalkeeper, you're using your back a lot, getting up, you're putting a lot of pressure, a lot of uh, exhilaration onto that part of your body. So I'm hoping that Latanzio sees it the way that you and I do, Will, and sees that George Marks right now is in very good form. And now that you know that you've got another Open Cup game coming as well, in terms of the draw against Orlando, you've got another experience for Kalina to play in an Open Cup game against MLS-level experience. To me, that's the true test of whether Cali is ready for action and should come back into that number one jersey or not. And I'm glad you mentioned that game on the 9th of May. That is a May 9th contest Tuesday, Mecklenburg Sportsplex, Charlotte FC in Orlando. Remember, Charlotte FC got its first MLS victory of the season over Orlando City SC. Uh, we do have a, a return engagement with them uh, later on this season in MLS play, but uh, they will get an opportunity to see Orlando even sooner than that at the Plex coming up on Tuesday the 9th in the round of 32 of the U.S. Open Cup. Before we get to this weekend, I did want to at least uh, shade and touch on the business that was done uh, earlier this week by Charlotte FC and the sporting department. They did acquire somebody, uh, basically a trade that uh, initially included Andre Shinyashiki, but was then later amended to just include general allocation money. And it brings back Justin Merrim, who I know we know just from his time at Atlanta United, but he's an MLS journeyman. He's played all across the league. Most recently with Real Salt Lake is where we saw him earlier this season, and that's where the trade came from. Uh, he's a player that I think went in form. I like. He is on the other side of 30, and I don't know if necessarily his best days are in front of him. I think the best days of his are behind him. But if you get him in form and you get him uh, kind of playing inside Christian Latanzio's system, I think he can be a very important player off the bench for Charlotte FC, who are very much in need of wingers and wing depth. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head, Will. He's definitely 34 years old, so probably not in his prime, but offering that experience, that leadership that we've heard so often harped on about as an area that Charlotte FC needs to work on uh, with the injury to Camille Josiak. We're lacking wingers in terms of the full package winger. That's no disrespect to McKenzie Gaines or, or the other wingers that we maybe have on our roster, but we need wingers that are able to defend consistently. And I think Merrim offers a little bit more of that mean streak, a little bit more of that physicality. And as we said, experience and leadership, which is going to be vital. So excited to see what he can do. I am definitely minimizing my expectations. I don't think he's going to set the world on fire, but if he can offer stability and he can offer leadership and vocalness in that role, then I'm okay with that. And uh, Charlotte FC did, unfortunately, uh, bid adieu to Adam Armour earlier in the week. I know it was a situation where uh, they 
waived him without anybody uh, basically claiming him. I know that there were some rumors about potential deals otherwise, but uh, it does not come to pass for Adam. And Adam, who had been working his way back with Crown Legacy, now has to find another pasture. So we wish our best out to Adam. And uh, between Adam and, and I know there's a lot of uh, a lot of talk around the team about these uh, potential players who have been moving in and out. But I think we just got to suppress the sports department because I think you know from that standpoint, Jess, uh, we can only play who's on the roster. That's kind of how we look at it. Yeah, definitely. And it's sad with Adam. You're losing a little bit of history and a player that faced a lot of adversity in a very short time of his career. So uh, I think there's still plenty of potential for Adam Armour. There's still plenty of potential for him, but we've got to see where that goes. And we'll be following his career because, as you say, it's a little bit of history with the first goal scorer ever in MLS for the club. Do you see an interesting side coming into this week? Uh, they've had a little bit of good fortune as of lately. They're right in a similar position to where Charlotte FC is, 11 points, uh, two in front of where Charlotte is. It's funny how Charlotte gets a victory over Columbus and all of a sudden finds itself in the thick of things where a lot of the teams have had a lot of jockeying and moving and shaking inside uh, the MLS Eastern Conference table. Uh, what do you like about D.C.? I know it's a squad that we uh, were able to get a 3-0 result on at the end of last year. That side looks probably more like the one that we're going to see as opposed to the one we saw at the beginning of last year, although they have made some additions. I mentioned Benteke. There's a couple of others also in the midfield. Lewis O'Brien, who's come over from Nottingham Forest. Uh, they've got a lot to like over there. Yeah, they do. And I think Wayne Rooney has been able to establish himself on this team now. They play more direct. They play physical. They play the way that Wayne Rooney perhaps played during his career. And they've got some quality dashed in between. It's a side that is currently on form, coming off of two consecutive MLS match wins. First time since the start of 2022. So they're getting a little bit of taste of that winning streak right now. I'm a big fan uh, of Mateus Klitsch on their team wearing the number 43 jersey. Everything goes through him pretty much in terms of leading the ranks, in terms of assists on the team, in terms of having a goal to his name, in terms of key passes. That's going to be a big challenge for Charlotte FC to have to shut down. And as you said, you can't ignore the likes of Taxi Fantas, who we know has goals in his belt. He hasn't really found his form yet in the games that he's played. But they can always be dangerous. But that being said, I definitely don't look at this side as an unbeatable team. I think that it could be a, a very good game for Charlotte FC and a, a way to make a statement. We know the defense also leaks goals. Steven Birnbaum, who had himself a two-year extension that he earned earlier this week, also uh, was the gifter of the opener uh, in the game last year uh, that took place at Bank of America Stadium. His own goal kind of opened the floodgates for Charlotte FC. They got two more via their own merit by Quinn McNeil and Carol Svidersky. So it was... Uh, very interesting to see uh, those two uh, get goals in that contest and obviously seeing Charlotte FC continue to make things happen forward as uh, Charlotte now trying to get themselves another victory, uh, which would, again, in the seven-game stretch, be one of the best seven-game stretches for Charlotte FC in its entirety. Just a, a win for Charlotte, I think, would be paramount because you get to come home again and play uh, NYCFC, who's a lot tougher than I think we thought they were a year ago. Uh, this would, I think, be a great test of their resolve and a great, I think, confirmer of the fact that maybe things did maybe take a turn in the positive direction with what happened against Columbus. Yeah, I think it's very important to ride that wave of momentum. You can never take for granted what a streak does to a team's confidence. And this is some of the best form on paper that this side has been in, in terms of picking up results, climbing up that table. And like you mentioned, Will, it's a very compact table right now, this early on with only nine games under the belts of side. So 
great way for a win to help you leapfrog up the table, climb into those playoff positions and just kind of show that, okay, we had some poor form to begin, but now we're finding our stride. And as you say, returning home against a very good NYCFC side that's high flying right now, you want to go into those games with belief and a good performance behind you. No looking ahead. What's next is D.C. Again, we're on the air on Saturday, 7 o'clock, 7.39 kick time from Audi Field in our nation's capital. Jess, should be a fun one. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, Willie P. Three points coming. We will talk to you guys on the broadcast Saturday, and we'll also recap it all right here on your home for Charlotte FC, wherever you get your podcast, Crown Corner.